uh, and that will be 8.30 and then 10.30. There is no Sunday school this Sunday uh, as we just have those two services. Ruth chapter 4, let's stand for the reading of God's Word this evening. Ruth chapter 4, we're going to read verse 14 and 15. Ruth chapter 4, and we'll be uh, reading those two verses together. The Bible says, And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, uh, that his name may be famous in Israel, and shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age, for thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. Tonight we'll be in the book of Ruth. And we'll be talking about the title of the message is The God with a Plan. The God with a Plan. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray tonight as we look at your word and we, uh, we look at a time of, of great trial, a time of great loss in the life of Naomi and in the life of Ruth in the life of Orpah as well. God, we see from here how you can take a great, great tragedy and you can turn it into great triumph. And Lord, many applications will be made tonight, but I pray our hearts will be open to it as we consider this book in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Up to this point, um, we have seen from Genesis to Judges. We've spent about a week in each book. A couple of the books we've spent a, a, a little longer than that. But in our study from Genesis down through Judges, we have seen family dramas. We've seen war stories. We've studied family trees, we've looked at history, laws, and we've seen some miracle stories along the way. Now we come to the book of Ruth, which is a love story set in the era of Israeli history when the judges ruled Israel. It tells about a man and a woman who are willing to prove their love for each other. It is a true story about David's great-grandparents. King David's great-grandparents. The Bible is not just a book of rules. It's not just a book of rules. It contains all kinds of literature and appeals to all different kinds of people. Because God created all things, and in that creating all things, that would include romance. God created romance. It is only appropriate that his book addresses all the topics of the things that he created and uses many forms of literature in getting to that. And again, that would include romance. This book is also an Old Testament story that shows us the love of Christ for his own creation. When we get down to the end of the, of the message tonight and the end of the story, we will see all of those applications. Tonight, as we take a bird's eye view of the book of Ruth, let's look at six thoughts from this love story. On the back of your prayer uh, bulletin, you'll find a, a outline with the place where you can fill in uh, the blanks as we go. And I would encourage you, if you brought a pen with you and you have a prayer bulletin, to flip that over and take notes as we go this evening. Number one is this, the reason Elimelech moved. The reason Elimelech moved. Now, to set the cast here of our story, you have Naomi and Elimelech. They are the mom and the dad. Uh, they live in, uh, they live in Bethlehem, Judah, and they have two sons named Malon and Chilion. Please don't name your sons Malon and Chilion. Um, there is a, uh, 
there was a teacher I had in college named Chris Teft. His last name was Teft. He preaches to teenagers all across the country. I think he's now pastoring up near Plymouth Rock. But Chris Teft, he had two daughters. He said if he had had two sons, he would have named them Seth and Heath. It would have been Seth Teft and Heath Teft. That's a mouthful. Uh, but Malon and Chilion, good Bible names. And, uh, but uh, they, they had two sons, Malon and Chilion. Look down at Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1 with me. Turn back there, Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1. If you have a Bible and you're not sure where Ruth is, you've got Genesis, Exodus from the beginning, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and the ninth book of the Bible is the book of Ruth. So you can try to find that. Genesis, nine books in, you find the book of Ruth there. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, again, that sets the era, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. No doubt things were tough in Israel. This is the time described in Judges where every man, we looked at this last week, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So this was not a good time to live in Israel. If you would, this would have been the wild, wild west days of Israel. You go back to uh, before the West was settled and civilized here in the U.S., and what did you have? You had Wyatt Earp, you had Billy the Kid, and you had pistols on the hip, and you had uh, showdowns at high noon, right? Uh, every man did that which was right in their own eyes, and it was a lot that way back then. Uh, you, there was really no law that ruled, and so Israel was not a fun place to live from that standpoint, but then you throw in on top of that a physical famine. So, in somewhat, it was lawless. Uh, there was definitely no morality of any sorts. And then you throw into that a physical famine where there's no food. So, you've got a physical famine and you have a spiritual famine. And, and, uh, and Elimelech and his wife Naomi made a decision that they were going to pick up and leave and go uh, to the land of Moab. Now, Scripture, let me just be very clear here. Scripture does not say that Elimelech violated God's wishes for his family. Nowhere does it say that. Uh, however, generally in Scripture, when you leave God's land and you go to a foreign land, God normally, and if you're just looking at the whole canon of Scripture, that's normally not a good thing. I heard this story taught when I was knee-high to a grasshopper in Sunday school, and it was, Elimelech disobeyed God. Well, nowhere does the Bible say that Elimelech disobeyed God. But I will say, it probably wasn't the best idea for him to pick up and go to Bethlehem, Judah. Notice in verse 1, it says that he went to sojourn. What does that mean to sojourn? That means that he went on a lengthy vacation. He wasn't going, going there to stay. Maybe they just packed their bags and they went for a short time. Verse 2 of the same chapter says that they continued there. And continued there. Their vacation turned into taking up residence. This is likened unto those who fly into the U.S. on a vacation visa and then stay and take up illegal residence, right? Uh, I don't know if it would have been illegal for them, but they went from a vacation to taking up residence. This is the exact same thing that happened a lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. They sojourned 
in Sodom and Gomorrah. Meaning they stayed in the hotels and they looked out and saw the nice things and they, they wondered what it would be like to stay and then, uh, that hotel stay turned into renting a, a room and then renting a house and then living there, taking up residence. And their vacation to Moab turned into living in Moab. The one positive thing that I will say about Elimelech's family is that it seemed like, it seems like, it seems like Elimelech had his family more grounded uh, than um, uh, Lot had his family. When, it come to, when we get further into the story, you'll see that, uh, that uh, 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 what's her name? Ruth. Ruth seemed to be more grounded in the faith of Naomi and her husband than any of Lot's daughters ever were. So I will give Elimelech credit for that, is that he lived in a lawless time. He lived in a time of spiritual famine. He lived in a time of physical famine. And they left and they lived in another country. And it seems as though Malon and Chilion uh, 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 brought their Moab, Moabitess wives into the flock or into the faith of God, and they were not drawn into idol worship. So I will give them that. But nevertheless, they moved for physical reasons. And I would say this, that if you're moving and leaving an area for physical reasons, you better be very, very, very careful. Number two, the repercussions of Elimelech's decision. The repercussions, repercussions, repercussions of Elimelech's decision. Look down at verse 3 of Ruth chapter 1. Ruth 1 verse 3 says there, In Elimelech, Naomi's husband died, and she was left and her two sons. So they're living there, and it says it kind of matter-of-factly. I'm sure it was a traumatic time, but Elimelech dies. Definitely a young age, definitely before his time. Verse 4, And they took them wives of the women of Moab. This would be Malon and Chilion. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died. Also, both of them and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. So, Naomi picks up with her husband, and they move into Moab. We don't know how long they lived there, but... Elimelech dies definitely before uh, the the age that most men would. Uh, Malon and Chilion marry Orpah and Ruth, and we don't again we don't know how long they were married. We don't know how long it lasted, but we know later Ruth would have a child. So Ruth had to have been pretty young, still in her childbirth years, and and Malon and Chilion died. What were the repercussions of this move? Uh, I'm speculating here, but could have it been that Elimelech and Malon and Chilion would have continued to live had they never fled to begin with. I do believe that uh, when we act on, act on our own will and we act outside of God's will, we act outside of God's will, and we do that long enough and hard enough, we can bring down serious divine consequences on top of us. Again, I don't know if it was a sin for them to move. I'm just going to be very honest with you. I could get up here and preach it that way. It would be very easy to preach it that way. I don't know. But I can speculate and say this. If it was against God's will for them to move, then it could have been that God brought death to these three men because of the decision that was made. Be careful. Be careful. Some of you in here may be considering a geographical move. 
No doubt others of you in here that are not considering a geographical move may at some point down the road do that. You better bathe that thing in prayer and fasting. Bathe that thing in prayer and fasting. I can't tell you how many people I've met and say, Oh, I got this job offer and, and uh, I'm going to be paid twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 more a year and, and I'm going to go and, and live there. Well, well, have you prayed about it? Oh, yeah, 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 I prayed about it. Well, well where are you going to go to church? Oh, I, we'll figure that out when we get there. Well, hold on, what? What? You'll figure it out when you get there. Now, you say, oh, come on, pastor. You're a pastor. You're supposed to say that. Listen, the church is supposed to be the center of the hub of your life. And you better make sure you found a church and you have bathed that thing in prayer and that church is going to be exactly where God wants you. How many of you here tonight, and don't raise your hand, but I wonder, I'm sure, how, well, you can raise your hand. How many here tonight believe that God leads a pastor and his family to a geographical location to pastor a church? How many of you believe that tonight? I believe that. I believe God led us here. Do you know it's no different for you? You say, but I'm not a pastor. Do you know that God leads you to be, live in a geographical place? Just like He leads me as a pastor to live in a geographical place? And listen, we, Angela and I, we bathed that thing in hours of prayer. We skipped meals, we prayed, we had a perfect peace from God. Don't just hastily up and move. You better be careful. You better be careful. Again, I don't know why Elimelech died. But could have it been that he moved outside of God's will? You say, well, how am I supposed to know the where of God's will? Without getting too far off track, I'll say this. Do the what of God's will and the where of God's will will take care of itself. If that's all you get from church tonight, write that down and run with that. Do the what of God's will and the where of God's will will take care of itself. What am I saying with that? I'm saying do what's in between Genesis 1-1 and Revelation 22-21. Abide by that. Love it. Live it. And guess what? The unknown will of God that you can't see will, will open itself up to you and God will lead you there. You've got to obey God's Word. You've got to have a walk with God, and He will show you the where. I'll also say this, the what of God's will is more important than the where of God's will. I do believe that. You can do the what of God's will in the wrong where. But I, but I know plenty of people that are, uh, that are uh, in the right where. They're right where God wants them to be, but they're not doing the what. Now, I'm here tonight, if you're doing the what and you have a heart for God and you're in the wrong place and God knows He can move in your heart and get you to the right place, then He'll move in your heart and He'll get you there. Number three, we see the return of Naomi. The return of Naomi. Look down with me at verse 6 of Ruth chapter 1 there. The Bible says there, Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might... Return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye, might, ye, ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. 
Now in a minute, we'll look at uh, how the two sister-in-laws handled Naomi. Uh, but first, let's focus on Naomi and her return back to Israel. Look down at verse 19, the same chapter. Justin, bring me your Bible there. Ruth chapter 1, bring, bring me your Bible. Did you find it? I'll help you out here. Justin's new to our church. He came a couple of um, couple of um, Sunday nights ago and got got saved and baptized and he's just in love with Jesus. Doesn't know where anything is in the Bible, but he he has a heart to grow. He we went out soul winning with us last night and he's just jumping in two feet first. There you go, Ruth chapter one, and we're going to be in verse nineteen. You all don't mind me taking a moment helping him out, do you? Right there. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. Verse 19 says there, So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? She said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi? Seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. In the Bible, names meant a lot. Names meant a lot. Um, Pastor Brown preached a couple of weeks back, and he talked about the guy's name that meant desolation. Desolation. And Could you imagine if your name was desolation? Well, Naomi got a pleasant name when she was born. The word Naomi means full or overflowing. And... She came back and, and you know, I imagine she was the gossip of the town a little bit. Probably someone saw her as she walked past the water well. And they went running into town and said, I think, I think that was Naomi. I think that's Naomi coming home. She'd been gone 10, 15, 20 years probably. So the ladies are looking out their windows and they're whispering to each other. And Naomi, you know, she'd been around the block for a while. She knew how things worked. And she could hear the whispering. She said, hey. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. The word Mara means bitter or empty. Bitter. Mara. The old songwriter put it this way, Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Be careful when you choose sin. Be careful when you choose doing wrong. Now, to Naomi's credit, she was simply following her husband. She was simply following her husband. To all the men in the room who lead a a wife, could I encourage you, be very careful about the decisions you make. God is going to one day hold you accountable to the way you run that family. God is one day going to hold you accountable to the direction you took them. And when you take your wife and children out of God's will, Not only do you hurt them, but you hurt all the people that they could have touched. So we see there, number three, the return of Naomi. Number four, we see the resolve of Ruth. Now here's where the story starts to get sweet. Look down with me, Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 12. And again, we're going to let the Bible do the speaking tonight. We're going to read a lot of scripture, but the scripture we're reading, all of it's interesting, but this kind of tells a story. Look at verse 12, it says, Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. So to set you up here, Ruth has made up her mind she's going back to Bethlehem, Judah, her hometown. And 
and Ruth and Orpah, uh, now all three of these widows are standing around and, and they want to go with her and she wants them to stay. Stay in Moab. I just want to go back and be by myself. And what are you two going to do? I'm old. And even if I had a baby tomorrow, uh, two babies, uh, if I had twins tomorrow, I would not be able to, uh, they would not uh, be old enough in time to be able to raise up and give you children, uh, uh, which was the custom back then. And so you just need to stay. Verse 12, turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me uh, much for your sakes that the Lord, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. Notice here, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back under her people and under her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Uh, where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and moros also, if I ought but uh, death part thee from me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So Orpah hugs her mom-in-law and turns and goes back to her people. Ruth says... I'm not leaving your side. Your God is my God. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Uh, we are going to be inseparable. I will be with you to the death. That's a resolve. That's a resolve. Let me make an obvious application here tonight. This was not spoken from a husband to a wife or a wife to a husband. But if you're here and you're married, that would be a good resolve to have toward your spouse. I'm not leaving you. It's not happening. We're going to work this out till death do us part. If you're here today and you're not married, and you're married, and this would be to everybody, if you're breathing air in your lungs, that I'm about to say applies to you, this needs to be your attitude toward your God. Now, I'm not leaving you. Now, God is never going to let you down. He's never going to disappoint you. If it's important in your book, it's going to be important to me. And I am resolved that I'm going to be right by your side. My friend, you might remember back when we covered the armor of God out of Ephesians 6. If you don't get up every morning and put the armor of God on, Satan's going to find a way to separate you from your God. And, but have that resolve and then wake up every day and do the little details so that happens. Number five, we see the, re- the reaping of Boaz field. The reaping of Boaz field. Look at Ruth chapter 2. And verse 1 with me. It says there, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. But Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was the light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz uh, came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with thee. They answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? 
And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now. Then she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Uh, uh, Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which uh, the young men have drawn. So Ruth and Naomi get back into Bethlehem, Judah. They find a little place uh, to live in, uh, maybe a, a, an abandoned house that had been left behind or uh, some whatever nook or space they could find. They they got in and, and uh, Ru, uh, Naomi, Naomi probably is getting to a point where she can't work much and Ruth is the younger of the two and so she's going to go out and she's going to find whatever food she can uh, for herself and her mother-in-law and she just, the Bible says, happens upon the field of Boaz. Can I tell you, nothing really happens by coincidence to a Christian, especially when you're doing things God's way. She didn't just happen into the field. God led her to this field and uh, she happens there and she's looking uh, to pick up any wheat that had been dropped by uh, the servants that were collecting out of the wheat field there. And the, the custom was if it fell on the ground, it was fair game for those that were poor and didn't have. And so uh, Ruth is going around and she's picking this up and Boaz shows up to his field. And he looks out and he sees this pretty little girl out in the field. And he says, hey, man, she's pretty. Who is that? And they said, well, that's the Moabitess girl that came home with Naomi. And so he just happens to mosey on over to where she is. And says, hey there, you cute little thing. I'm, that's, that's in the Hebrew there, Amen. He says to her, he says, uh, what you doing? And she stands up, what's it look like I'm doing? No, that didn't happen. Um, I'm hungry. Duh. No, uh, she's collecting the wheat, and so they strike up a conversation. He said, listen, I don't want you to go to any other field. I want you to work this field. I have commanded my men that they are not to lay a finger on you. You will be safe in this field. You collect up all the wheat that you want. And you see that water over there that's for my workers? You're allowed to go over there and you're allowed to get water as well. You see, when you make a commitment to be faithful to God, God always provides for His own. Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first, first, first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are those things? That is the food that you eat. That is the provisions that you need to get through life. Naomi said, I have a responsibility to my mother-in-law. I will adopt her God. He will become my God. And God said, if I am your God, then I am going to take care of my own. Number six, we see the kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer. Look down. Turn with me over to Ruth chapter four. While you're finding your, your place there, um, to give you the story in between Ruth 2, 9 and Ruth 4. 
Naomi goes home with a lot more wheat than she probably should have. The men were dropping extra behind at the uh, order of Boaz. And here comes uh, uh, Naomi. She had uh, sifted the wheat and beaten out the wheat and gotten just the wheat out of the stalks. And she comes home with a ton of wheat, just a lot of wheat. Not, li- not, not literally a ton, but figuratively. Brings a ton, just brings a lot of wheat home. And Naomi's like, good night. Where did you get all that? Whose field were you in? And she said, I was in Boaz's field. And she tells her the events. And, you know, Naomi is kind of, or Ruth is kind of clueless. And Naomi looks at her and says, I think he likes you. She said, no. Look how much wheat you have. I think he likes you. You think? Yeah, 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 I do. So after a time or two of going in the field, she says to him, she says to Ruth, she says, here's what I think you should do. I think you should sneak in where he's asleep. And I think you should, and again, this is Hebrew custom. This wouldn't be custom today. This would be weird, okay? This is how it worked back then. You go in, and this is what she did. She went in and she took the blanket off of his feet. And then she laid at his feet. Now, you say, why did she do that? Well, you don't want to marry a man with toe jam, amen? <laughs> no, that's not why. That was the custom back then. He was startled. He was startled and, huh, huh, what? He looks up and sees her and he says to her, stay there. Lay there all night, but be really quiet. And get up and get out of here in the morning before anybody can see you. And they, they both just laid there. There was nothing sinful that went on between them. She got up and she left. And the issue that came into place was that Boaz was kin to Ruth, but there was somebody in the way between Boaz and uh, Boaz and Ruth that would have kept them from getting married. And the way it worked back then is that, you know, when you're, uh, uh, today, if, if you die, or if your husband dies, rather, and you're a lady, you're free to go off and marry whoever you want. But back then, in their Hebrew customs, uh, the way things worked was that if uh, if your husband died, then you were to marry the next brother in line. And if all there weren't any brothers, or all the brothers uh, were dead, then you married the next kin in line. And so, Boaz was not the next kin in line. While Boaz was related, there was somebody closer related that had rights to marry her before he did. Ruth chapter 4, we pick up the story in verse 1. Then then went Boaz to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by uh, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, this is, uh, that is, Come again out of the country of Moab, uh, selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's, and I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. So pause the story here. Uh, uh, Boaz is playing a little bit of a game with this guy. Boaz says, uh, calls this guy in, this next akin in, and says, Hey, there's a piece of land here, and uh, it was our, our kin Boaz, or uh, uh, rather Elimelech, and Elimelech's died, and do you want the land? And the guy's like, oh yeah, I want the land. 
He said, but there's a stipulation with the land. Look down at verse 5. Then said Boaz, what, de- what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise it the name of the dead uh, upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, uh, this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming, concerning ch- uh, changing for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was the testimony in Israel. Therefore, his kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe, and Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, You are, uh, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephratath and be famous in Bethlehem. So this guy's sitting there and he's saying, oh, I want the land. And he said, oh, but there's one stipulation. To get the land, you've got to take the Moabitess girl with it and you've got to marry her. And he looked at her and he looked at the land and he said, I can't do both. I can't do the land and her. He said, I'll pass. He said, uh, if you're willing to take her on, Boaz, you can have both. And so he, uh, he bought the land, everything that was Elimelech's. And in buying the land, he bought the right to be able to marry uh, Ruth. And Boaz redeemed Ruth. Boaz married Ruth. Does anybody know, and if you do, raise your hand or just shout it out. Does anybody know who Boaz's mother was? Does anybody know who Boaz It's not found in the book of Ruth. Does anybody know who Boaz's mother was? It was Rahab. Rahab the harlot, as she's known, Rahab the harlot was redeemed, was the mother of Boaz. Ruth was a Moabite. So here you have a half-Gentile marrying a full-Gentile. And this couple produces... The lineage of Christ. The lineage of Christ. You say, I am a nobody. And I'm here today to tell you that you may look at every detail of your life and think I'm a nobody. God can do something great with you. Look at Ruth chapter 4 verse 13 with me. Hope that all the reading of the scripture doesn't offend anybody tonight. Amen. We love the Bible here at White Oak Baptist Church. Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And he went in unto her. The Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he said, uh, He shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine own age, for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and, be, 
and became nurse unto it. And the woman, her, uh, and the woman, her neighbors gave it a name saying, there, there is a son born in Naomi and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Pharaoh. Pharaoh begat Hezron. Hezron begat Ram. Ram begat Amenadab. Amenadab begat Nash. Uh, Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. God has a way of taking our messes and turning them into a beautiful miracle. Should have Elimelech left to begin with? Probably not. In fact, if you read Naomi's testimony, it sounds like Naomi was convinced that they were in sin having left to begin with. They left and they committed a sin. And there was consequences for that sin. But they came back and God has a way of taking our messes and turning them into a beautiful miracle. Listen, I can't explain to you tonight the providential hand of God. I can't do it. I can't explain to you tonight the providential hand of God, how that fits in with the free will of man. Say, where, where do those two meet? You could sit around for hours and hours with theologians and listen to them debate and discuss it, and, and you're never going to get a solid answer. But I heard somebody describe it this way. Understanding the free will of man and the providence of God is much like you or I sitting down with a grand master chess player, one of these grandmaster chess players who can beat you in their sleep. Yes, you get to choose where you move your pieces, but the decision of who is going to win has already been determined from the start. God is going to let you move the pieces of your life however you want, but in the end, He is always going to win. Always going to win. And the beautiful thing about that is this, is that God has a way of taking our sin and still turning it into something beautiful. Into something beautiful. Tonight you're sitting here and either you have been the subject of someone sinning against you, or you have committed a sin in your past that you deeply regret. Can I encourage you with this? God's grace can take your mistake and turn it into something amazing. Amazing. Elimelech leaves. Malon and Chilion marry Ruth. Probably should have never married Ruth. The Moabitess brings her back. She's brought back with, with, uh, with uh, Naomi. Ends up marrying Boaz, a half-Gentile. And from this we get Obed and then Jesse and then David. And on down through David we get King Jesus. God has a way of taking our mistakes and turning them into miracles. You say, Pastor, are you saying it's okay to make mistakes? I'm not. I'm not endorsing mistakes. I'm not endorsing sin. But I'm here to say this, is that if you have committed them, God has a way of taking your mistakes down the road, down the road in some way, and turning it into something beautiful. Sometimes we beat ourselves up harder than others do over our sins. Sometimes we beat ourselves up harder than God does. You confess it, He forgives you. He throws it over His back. Don't live with regret if it's been confessed. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. In no 